I was sitting there thinking about the last few weeks, the last few Sundays of watching the praise team and the, and the preaching. And uh, I think we all sound better and sing louder in our living rooms. And so I'm excited to hear what's r- rustling out the windows uh, with these songs that are sung today. And uh, if you didn't know it, Today is Palm Sunday. I know it's a little different than normal, and next week, next Sunday is a great Sunday. We get to celebrate Easter. Probably going to celebrate it like we've never celebrated it before. I'll use that word, unprecedented, uh, next uh, next Sunday. Uh, but it is Palm Sunday, and uh, uh, when Josh asked me to preach uh, right after the first of the year, um, I obviously thought today would look a lot different. Uh, but God did lay on uh, my heart the triumphal entry, so we are going to do that. And and kind of where I started with this is um, not knowing that we would be in the situation we're in with uh, uh, the coronavirus and COVID nineteen and whatever you're calling it these days. I'm sure all of everybody's got their own words for it. Uh, but I was amazed in reading that story, the Palm Sunday of how we celebrated. And I'm going to read the passages here in a minute of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and people. Sh- excited and celebrating his coming into Jerusalem. But later on that week, the same people were yelling, crucify him. And uh, how do you go in a week's time from doing that? And uh, I think you've all probably experienced that from a couple of weeks ago with your kids, telling them that you love them, telling them that you love them, and now you're ready to kill them. So I think we've all experienced that a little bit. But in all honesty, uh, uh, I was just amazed. I was intrigued by that. And, and today, being Palm Sunday, that's where we're going to be. Uh, uh, and a little food for thought for you guys about me is any time that I get a chance to preach, I always try to find a song that goes with it. And so today's uh, uh, sermon title is called How Can It Be? I'll let you figure out what song we're going to sing it at the end because it's, it really does tie into what God has done. But uh, if you're at home and you're easy recliner, uh, I always laugh because Darren Higgins always says, uh, you're going to make me keep me awake today. I don't know that I will if he's watching this in his recliner today. But Darren, stay awake because here we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, uh, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and, became, and came to Bethphage on the, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them uh, for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches, palm branches, from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up and ask, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so as, as we read that, uh, I just want to remind you again, it's Palm Sunday. It's the start of Passion Week. 
and uh, you know we get to see Jesus coming in here. Uh, he immediately goes into the temple. He's, he finds himself in the temple a lot during uh, this uh, Passover week, this Passion Week, uh, because he was, as, as I think Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, that he was our Passover lamb. He was the great uh, lamb that's going to be sacrificed for us, and in order to do that, he had to be inspected by the priest. So he finds himself in the temple a lot. It's also later on this week that uh, Jesus will find himself uh, eating a Last Supper with his disciples. Uh, where he will wash their feet and he will uh, give them the bread and, and, and the wine and tell them this is my body and this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And he, he'll, he's basically telling them that he's ushering in a new covenant. And uh, later on that week, we'll, Jesus will find himself um, uh, in the garden praying, asking God if if there's a way to take this cup from me. And later on that night in the garden, he will find himself arrested. He will find himself before uh, uh, drugged to court and find himself before the Sanhedrin and Pilate, and he'll be falsely accused. He will beaten, be beaten. He will be uh, whipped with the cat of nine tails. And on Friday, he will find himself carrying his cross uh, up to Golgotha, where he will allow himself to be nailed to the cross and he will allow them to put a crown of thorns on his head and be raised on that day and he will then be placed in a tomb and we will wait a few days and then the stone will be rolled away and Jesus will be uh, alive with the keys of death and hell and the grave in his hands and that is what the Passion Week is about. That is what we celebrate. That is uh, how it ends. I uh, can't wait, just so you know. I, can, I will listen, probably post it on Facebook this week. Sunday is coming, and that is what we celebrate. That is, and you can't, he can't do any of that if he doesn't enter into the city. And so, uh, you know, first of all, I want you to know that Jesus came to Jerusalem this time. Everything that he did was from the will of, the God, of, of his Father God, and uh, he came to Jerusalem with a purpose. And you look back on in there, uh, uh, they quoted uh, Zechariah chapter 9 that says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus knew, and, and, and a lot of people in this time knew, his disciples would have known, that Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, go get me a donkey. He was doing it with purpose. And, uh, uh, and what you see here, when these people began to shout, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew what that meant. They were excited because the Israelites here were a very oppressed people by the Roman government and the officials there and the soldiers. I, I've talked about it before in previous deals of how bad it was, how, how much authority these Roman officials had over uh, the Israelites and, and, and so they knew that Jesus was coming with a purpose and they thought his purpose was to free them from their oppressor because if you look at the second part of this Zechariah chapter 9 verses 9 and 10 verse 10 says I will take the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will, bow will be broken he will proclaim peace to the nations his rule will extend from sea to sea 
and from river to the end of the earth. They thought he was ushering in uh, world peace. And they thought, okay, it, it's almost like uh, I'm a big sports guy. I know some of you are, are missing out on sports right now. I've enjoyed watching ESPN Ocho. Uh, I watched a rock skipping competition the other day. Uh, there's some crazy offbeat sporting events that you can watch. But, uh, but what this is, is Jesus, it's like a, they've made a parade. It's like a run-out tunnel. And I, I kept thinking this these past few weeks, like what song, if Jesus was coming out today in an athletic event, what song would he play? Uh, 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 I was listening to, it's the final countdown. You know, they might have played that. You know, whatever that is, Jesus is coming into town, and they know it, and they think he's fixing to usher in peace. They have some expectations. They are excited. And the problem with that is, is we find ourselves the same way, is we have expectations for God that uh, sometimes he doesn't meet them how we think he needs to meet them. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, he did free them from their biggest enemy. Uh, he freed them from themselves. Uh, and they had a hard time swallowing that. In fact, that's how you go from yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, to crucifying by the end of the week because he missed their expectations. He, he under-delivered for their expectations, but he was right on for God's expectations. And, and so, you know, not to say that the Romans were not bad, but he knew in order for him to usher in salvation, which is what they were saying, basically, well, history that David uh, conquered Jerusalem. He, it was the last city that was conquered, and so they, when they were calling him the son of David, they thought he was coming in like a king. They were giving him a king's welcome and he was, things were fixing to get shaken up, and they were. Uh, and we see that here, but, but, but God came to free them from uh, their, their selves. And, and, you know, we use all these life verses about God, and, they, you know, they might have been quoting from the prophet Isaiah that says in Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. And that is great, and we use it, and we make T-shirts about it. But what do you do? When the greatest accuser and the biggest weapon is yourself. Because we are. We are radioactive. Ever since Adam and Eve in the garden allowed sin to enter in, we have always been radioactive. And, and we think that we're not. We think that we're better than we compare ourselves to other people. I'm better, but that's not the standard of measurement. In, in fact, Mark chapter 7 tells us this, that uh, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them, rather it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. He goes on later on in, in verse 20 of Mark chapter 7, it says, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from the inside and defile a person. And you see, we were our greatest enemies. We've always been our greatest enemies. And, and the Bible is all through Scripture tells us that, that, that our, we are not even, there's, in Romans it tells us there's no one good, not even one. And for some of you, that's hard to swallow. And, and so we battle ourselves all the time. And, and I was telling somebody this morning that over these last few weeks, I probably spent more time with myself. I haven't been able to be around people as much. And it's been really hard for me uh, to be very candid. There was a couple of days I got really depressed. Uh, my wife was so gracious to call me out of that ditch 
and out of that well because it was, it was really hard for me. In fact, she said, you make a list, and you just start calling people. And I did. I called, I, I don't know, probably 30 people that day, and it did because we need people. We need relationships. We need that. And, but spending time with myself, I got to some deeper-rooted issues. And that, you know, that's my challenge for everybody over this uh, unprecedented time and during this quarantine period and when your, your world's been shaken. It's a great opportunity. We've seen it. We've seen the family dynamic uh, come back together. We've seen husbands and wives probably having more communication just because they can now. We've seen dads conversating with their kids more. Uh, uh, people, are, people are bored uh, which is a good thing. Believe it or not, it's a good thing for my kids. It's been, it's been really good. Uh, they've been, creative juices have been flowing. But, uh, you know, when you think about all your thoughts, when you think about what is in you and what God is trying to work out of you, there's a, there is a lot, a, lot of, a lot of things. But Jesus came. He came to save us not from uh, a Roman official or Roman oppression or... Or, or whatever we think. You know, that was back in their day. Today, he still comes to save us from what we think. Because we always think, what do we think? Boy, if I could just now, maybe this, if I could just get that job, that's what's going to do. That's what's going to get me over here. Or if I could get this right relationship, this is what it's going to do. This is our expectations. We've all had it. We've all said it. That There's times that, went, well, if I could just get this in order, everything would be better. And what I love about this story is Jesus knew us better than ourselves. And he knew that it wasn't another job that we needed. It wasn't uh, another relationship that we needed. It wasn't, uh, can he still work and all those things? Absolutely. What he needed is to be freed from ourselves, And that's, that is, the, that is the, the, the deal of the message today, is that Jesus was able to come and give you freedom from yourself. Uh, and, and he did that. And we see that all through um, Scripture. But all these things, we are, we are radioactive. We are radioactive. Whatever it is, you know, if I could just have more money, what would we do with it? Well, more money, more problems, right? Uh, uh, if I could just have a, then another, I, I won't mess up that next relationship. And, and that's not what it's about. It's about spending time with Jesus and allowing him to usher in and come in and clean you from the inside out because that's where evil starts. Is from the, James tells us. It starts from within. And it's a hard concept because a lot of times we want to blame the devil. And don't get me wrong, he has a part to play. But a lot of times we give the devil way too much credit. It starts from, from us. And so, you know, while you're at home today, and you're, uh, one of the things that I was excited about what God gave me here is I realize in this place where I'm preaching from today, uh, sometimes we come in with great expectations. And we think just coming is enough. And so now we find ourselves in a living room or someplace isolated with our family, and we can maybe be a little more transparent with each other. I know over the past few weeks uh, at my house, uh, uh, I was sharing, uh, uh, we watched uh, a Louis Giglio service uh, two Sundays ago, and it was about repentance, Second Chronicles. You know, he talked about the if, and uh, if we would get down on our knees. And he's talking about, how, you know, we may miss out getting through this just because we're not willing to go from our, put our knees on the ground and if we pray, and he's talking about the power that comes from that and repentance and what comes. And, and so we went around the room in our living room and asked, hey, what are some things this week that, that we need to ask God to forgive us and repent of? And, and uh, so, you know, I have a six-year-old son who is stir-crazy uh, uh, and uh, um, 
all the way to a 12-year-old daughter, and then my wife and I, I won't give her age out. She's still really young. I'm getting older. But uh, I, re- I got tickled, uh, and, it, and it wasn't funny, but it was funny because I started off with Silas, and I said, Silas, you know, what are some things that you need to ask God to forgive you? And, man, he, man, he had like 10 things, and he was just sharing them, and it was good because he got it. He got what we were talking about. And so we kind of, I went, I think Emmy was sitting there, and she went next, and, you know, being a teenager, it took her a little bit to get going, but she started going, and I guess Silas didn't like the crickets chirping and waiting, so he raised his hand. I said, what is it? He said, I know something that Emmy needs to repent of. And I was like, well, you've had your turn. Uh, but he was ready to call everybody out, which sometimes is what we do. We want to point fingers at everybody else but not look at ourselves. And, and, and that's what Jesus did. In fact, he, uh, 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 he did this, and they found themselves saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But later on that week, some of the same people were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And, and what I want you to see today is that unmet expectations can create disappointment. Not just with God, with anybody, you know. I've, I, I think about when we, when we used to go to school and we had sporting events and, or we had uh, uh, I, one of the things that I'm going to miss, Stephanie, is the, all the kid elementary plays, the Broadway shows that they do. I love them. But one of the things that I can see is kids that get disappointed looking out on stage and they don't see their, their, their mom or their dad there or their family member or whatever. But then they might see them walking at the end and they just, it changes. But in anything, when you have expectations, unmet expectations create disappointment. And disappointment can create bitterness and bitterness can harden your heart. And so when you have expectations for God, and maybe he hasn't met them yet, Maybe he will never meet your expectations, but when you know that God has a plan, we've talked about it, God's plan is good, it's a perfect plan. And we say that, but when it affects you, it's hard to get there sometimes. But if you're not careful, unmet expectations can lead you to discouragement. Discouragement can lead you to bitterness, and bitterness can lead you to a hard heart for God. And that is how in one week you can go from saying, God, I love you, to God, I hate you. God, I want you. Come on in. Do this thing for me. And then when it doesn't happen, you, I'm done with you. Be done. Kill him. Crucify him. And, and so, you know, right there in your living room, I just want you to think of what expectations do you have for God? And maybe he hasn't come through. Maybe it's been two weeks. Maybe it's been expected. Gosh, we all have expectations of when this thing that we're in is going to end. And uh, be careful, little ears, what you hear and eyes, what you see of the information that you're getting. And the, the best thing you can do is set your eyes on God because he knows the end time. He's going to tell you. He's going to take it day by day. But what expectations do you have for God that may haven't been met yet? And are, are, if, is your meter leaning towards more discouragement or more of patiently waiting? And I realize those are really hard sometimes, especially when they're... Uh, I mean, we're not talking about waiting for a stimulus check to come in. We're talking, they were being oppressed. Some of they were being, the, the kids, the families, the Roman officials were raping people. It was, it was a serious oppression that they were under. And not just for a year, not just, they hadn't just been under this oppression for two or three weeks like some of us feel like we've been oppressed by this quarantine. We're talking about years of this. And so they got really excited as we've done before. We can see things lining up and Jesus is riding in on a donkey and then all of a sudden, it doesn't turn out like they want. And Caitlin, they're saying, how can it be? You know, that's what we've all said. How can this be? I mean, I've, been, I've learned to not have an opinion on when we're going to go back to school, uh, if we go back to school. 
Uh, I'm praying that we go back to school by August. We need that. But maybe God knows something that we don't. And we have to trust him in this time. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but, but when you know his promises, we had somebody this week email the office about their story about all the promises of God. Like he cannot lie. And so, and during this time, I challenge you to read into those promises of God and lean into those when you're, you're feeling some unmet expectations and know that God's got a plan and his timing is perfect. So if, if your expectation hasn't been met, maybe it's not God's timing yet. And to lean over to this side and less on this side and, and take it day at a time. Uh, but we see this, and this is the thing that I love, and we'll pick it back up in Matthew 21, verse 12, is Jesus, you know, instead of riding his donkey and going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem there, he rode his donkey and he found himself immediately at the temple. And in verse 12 it says, Jesus entered the temple area, drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the benches of those who, who were selling dove. And he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Then the blind and the lame came at him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the teacher of the law saw the wonderful, the wonderful things, they even say the wonderful things uh, he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked. Yes, Jesus replied. Uh, have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. And then it says he left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. And so Jesus immediately rides in. You know, they were expecting him to turn right and go and take on this oppression. And he immediately went into the temple and he started making whips and throwing tables over. And, and why? You know, I was looking into that why. And, and I'm going to give you a little backstory. Is So, you know, it's kind of harsh if you don't know the full deal but what these guys had done first of all you notice that it said the blind and the lame were immediately able to come in because they weren't allowed to come into the temple they were unclean and this legalistic society had put separation between them and God and so these 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 money changers and these dove sellers what they would do is you would come into town and you'd be like hey the Levitical law said hey you need a dove to cover this sin and you're like okay I'll take one dove and they would be like, okay, that is $10. And they're like, okay, good, here's $10. No, not 10 of your dollars, 10 of temple money. Oh, okay, well, give me 10 temple dollars, and then I'll buy it. Oh, no, no, this 10 bucks will only get you like $2 of temple dollars. And so they had this usury charge that was astronomical, and so they made it hard. For, and they're like, oh, you don't have it? You go. And I was thinking about it, and it's kind of funny. I don't know if, if you got kids, you've been there before, but there was a time where you could put a quarter in an arcade machine and four quarters equal a dollar and it was good and then somebody got the bright idea and now we'll do tokens. So you put a dollar in the machine at Chuck E. Cheese or wherever the arcade and not do you get, they started off giving you four Chuck E. Cheese tokens so it was like, I still don't understand why we did it but some mastermind behind there is like, you know, one of these days we're going to give them three Chuck E. Cheese tokens and then I was like, man, and then they instead of four tokens to start, it was five and so then you're, it's just a, just a racket but you do it anyway because you love your kids and you you give them Chuck E. Cheese tokens but that's what I was thinking about it's like here these guys were setting up a barrier from people to get to God and Jesus said hey 
he told his disciples, I'm fixing to usher in a new covenant. And he does. He comes in, and later on that week, when he gives up his spirit to God, and the earth shakes and the, and the, and the curtain is torn, Jesus had ushered in that new covenant and the one that we get to experience today. Uh, but I love, you know, uh, Jesus broke the barriers that was keeping people at an arm's distance. And he said, you can come in. He gives us that authority right now. We can enter the throne room of heaven with boldness. Not just enter it like, hey, I'm here. But like we can enter with boldness because of what Jesus did when he came in on the uh, donkey, the humble beast, the beast of burden. And, and so, you know, the big takeaway, what do we do? What do we do with this information? Well, you know, because we can give you a history lesson of what happened during Passover week. We can, we can talk about Jesus freeing uh, freeing from ourselves. What does that mean? That's exactly what it means. Right now in your living room, I'm just going to challenge you to really give yourself a self-evaluation. What are some unmet expectations? What are some things that, that quite honestly, you might have not shared even with your spouse, with your kids? Uh, maybe you've thought it, but you've never verbalized it. What are some things that are keeping you from Jesus? Because he came to do away with them. He came to do away with them. He came to save us from ourselves. And so, you know, that's my challenge for you. And, and, and my prayer through all this thing, as we are doing things a little differently, you know, change always brings about a different perspective. And so, you know, wow, we're, I think this is our third week of watching these uh, via Facebook or YouTube or DVD, however you're doing it. Uh, and so there's now three weeks we probably get some patterns, you know. Uh, my pattern is I've been cooking bacon at 9.30 whenever the service starts. And uh, uh, it, it smelled really good. And maybe we'll start getting some bacon candles to light in here because it really pumps me up in the morning. But, uh, uh, but to really, not just to do church, not just to hear the words, but to be doers of the word. And so God, today, this morning, wherever you're at, whenever you're watching, maybe it's in the afternoon, we, we have some people watch it at different times, whenever it is, ask God, what do I need saving from? Because he's, he's done it. He did the work back here. We get, to, we get to live in the time after he did the work. That he saved us from ourselves. Whatever has been hindering you. You know, I think God brought a lot of us inside and uh, out of the world because we can hide in the world. But it's hard to hide in your living room. It's hard to hide surrounded by people that really know you. And so I'm praying that this morning's message would spur some conversation of not just surface level stuff but you guys could be honest with yourselves in your living room of unmet expectations and what what you need saving from because it's more than just salvation from eternal death and damnation it's salvation from everything that he promises us maybe some of you are battling depression uh, serious depression you've been by yourself and you haven't reached out you, you nobody has reached out to you and if that's the case you call me I'll make sure that my number is in the comment section of this deal. You call. And there's plenty of people that want to reach out. We don't know how to help, but maybe you're there. We want to help you. Uh, maybe some of you financially. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a millionaire, but that's what church is about, to bear one another's burdens. If you've got a real need, you, if we don't know, we can't help. Whatever that is. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe there's been a... A, a, a marriage that has been on the rocks and now you throw it into a, this vacuum and this hyper-sensitive overdrive of being surrounded by each other more and more than you, you normally have. And God is, didn't do that to, because he hates you and puts you by somebody that you are at odds with. But maybe he did that to bring you together. 
And all it starts is a real conversation. So I'm giving you permission to have those real conversations. And whatever those unmet expectations, whatever that, that you need to be saved from, I'm just asking you to, as an offering of worship, that you would talk about it and that you would sing about it and that you would give it to God and you would allow Him to do that. But maybe some of you, one of the things that I've been really excited about is, uh, I don't know if people are more bored. I'm praying that they're seeking more stuff. Uh, uh, I know for us, we've, we watched three different services last Sunday just because it's, it's a different time. I'm at home on Sundays. I don't leave before my kids get up on Sundays and we're there. And, uh, uh, but there's a lot of people that are watching different services. There's a lot of people that are watching the services that we do. And so if you're one of those and you've never put your faith and trust in God, he came to die. This triumphal entry was for you. And the Bible tells us in order to get right with God that we need to repent. Well, what does that mean, Micah? That means that we turn away from whatever that we need salvation from. And I realize some of those aren't internal. They've made their way external. Like now we have addictions and we have uh, frustrations and we have all these things that we think keep us at an arm's length. But Jesus came in and he, he threw those tables in the temple and he's, he'll be willing to turn those tables in your life if you're willing to allow him to come in. And so you just have to ask God to forgive you. Ask him to free you from yourself and your sins and forgive you from those things. And he will. He is gracious to do that. Uh, it's, and because if we don't, what we earn is death. It's a guarantee. But when we do do that, he gives us the free gift of eternal life. And, and, and eternal life doesn't just happen when you die and you get to live forever. It happens the minute that you put your faith and trust in God and you repent and you turn from your wicked ways because we all are. Mark chapter 7 told us that we all are evil. And so I'm not sitting here preaching to you as a perfect person because I'm far from that. I've lost my temper. I've been frustrated. I've, I've, I could go on and on. Uh, I'd be like Silas. Uh, I'll pop down. But, but that is what this is about. And so if, if you're watching this and you need to talk about it, you need to make a decision. And when you make that decision, you, all you have to do is talk to God. But it's good to tell people about your decision. And so again... Let us know. We have a deal on our website. There's a phone number going to be on this comment section. You can call the church. You can call your friend that you know is maybe associated uh, with a church. doesn't even have to be this church. But God is going to do something great in and among this quarantine season. And I love the songs that we sang today. The, the, the fields are as white for the harvest. And He is our champion. And, and we can raise a hallelujah. All these songs really meant a lot for me. And you may be like these people finding themselves saying, how can it be? How can we find ourselves in this situation? I may be looking at a no employment for the next month or two, but God is faithful. I don't know how. I can't tell you that. I, I'm not, I can't tell you. I just know that he is. And you may not see it, and you may have some expect, uh, uh, expectations. Oh, I'm going to have a job. God is going to be faithful. He's going to give me a job. He may not, but he may see you through that waiting period that, that he will sustain you. And so... So that's, that's my challenge for you today is, is, is everybody needs to make a decision today. Some maybe it be to believe in Jesus, the man that came riding on the donkey, the man that died for our sins. Some of you may need to, to make a decision to allow Jesus to come into those hidden places that you don't allow people to go.